So I just love hearing the voices of all the people in our church when we're together like this, lifted up in song, worshiping God, just beautiful. I'm back here, like, trying not to cry, like, hold it together, Schultz, you got to go out there and talk in a few minutes. But it's just beautiful to know that the hearts of the people of God desire God, desire to seek him and know him more. And that's what we've been talking about in this whole series called Tools so far. It's a four-week series in which we've been talking about some vital tools God gives us to live out our vision. Wherever we've been, wherever we find ourselves right now, our vision to journey together to know and become like Jesus. The tools we've been exploring are what we at Jacob's Well call our five commitments. Belong, serve, grow, share, and worship. Five patterns of living, five tools we use as we change, as life changes from the inside out, as we transform into becoming all that God says we are. We really believe here that if we live these out consistently over time, all together and individually in our own lives, like Pastor Paul talked about last week, being self-feeders, caring about my individual growth and where I'm at in my faith. If we live these out, then our vision of knowing and becoming like Jesus will be accomplished. These tools help us in that process. Starting in a few weeks, we're going to be doing a five-week summer series all about our commitment of worship, which I can't wait for. Now, so far in our tool series, we've talked through belong, share, and grow. It's been inspiring. I mean, last week, I think we had about five people signed up for our Alpha course. This is just exploring what Christian faith is all about, the big questions of life. And then Pastor Paul, in part of his calling people to really take interest in grow in your journey of growth spiritually, he challenged people like, hey, if you don't know where you're at with what you believe or you've kind of leveled out, go to Alpha. And then we had like 21 people by... Two days later, signed up for the class and people sharing their stories of faith and where they're at. Just a beautiful coming together of people. And, and it's been so inspiring because I see people, we see people all around us who do care, who do see what God's done in their lives and want to live their lives well, so deeply. Um, tonight, we're talking about our commitment of serve. And here's what serve is in a nutshell to us. We commit to a lifestyle of serving others. And this is about everything we do. Seeking God, being in relationship with other people, sharing the good news of the gospel, growing over time as self-feeders who invest in our spiritual growth. We live this as a lifestyle, and that lifestyle leads us naturally. It can't help but happen. It leads us to serve. Serving others is part of the change that takes place in our lives. It's part of a response to what God has done. It's actually a form of worship in where we consciously serve others in devotion to Jesus as a natural outcome of a lifestyle of following him and seeking to be like him. And as we follow Jesus in the commitment of serve, he leads us to discover the way to a life that matters. He shows us the way to a life that matters, which is what we all want, don't we, if we're honest? We'd settle for life just making sense, or sort of making sense most days, but deep down, 
in our guts, we all want a life that matters, a life of significance in some way, a life that means something, but it's not easy to find, especially when we tend on our own to look in so many wrong places or when we try to make life matter. We see people around us, people with power and prestige and position do this, trying to make life all around us matter just for our own benefit in a selfish way. Most things that advertise meaning in life prove over time to be pretty empty. And you get what you pay for. And when we're kids and we dream of the future, or when we're going to college, I remember those days, and trying to figure out what life is going to look like, you know, who we're going to be someday, and then even as we get older and life rears its ugly, complicated head, when we imagine the future at any stage, with hope of any kind, or when we wish it could be more, we don't visualize ourselves settling for something meaningless. It's not what we aspire to. It's not what we daydream about. We want a life that matters. And I remember at 17, I sat on the counter, a summer night, I sat up on the counter, which my mom hated, in the kitchen, and we were just talking, and and I remember just feeling all angsty about the future, like churning in my gut, like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And I said something, you know, full of hubris at 17, because I really imagined that a meaningful life would include a ton of cool stuff. And I said, with this deep desire for significance, I just don't think my life is meant to be lived small scale. Now, I don't know what I meant, but I know what I was feeling. I imagined all sorts of cool things that a large-scale life would include. And now, 24 years later, I still live in my Chippewa Valley. I have a modest one-story home. I drive a minivan, and I like it. (laughs) And most of my time, most of my time is spent doing many things that would feel very small-scale to that 17-year-old me. But all these years later, I've learned that I had my ideas about a life that's meaningful, a life that matters, totally backwards. A small-scale life is a life that's about serving myself, about me getting what makes me feel like a big shot. As big as that big shot might get, that's a small-scale life. Significance, you're not going to find it living for yourself. A large-scale life is large-scale, not because of somebody's title or because of what they do as a career or any of that. It's large-scale because it's connected to part of God's large-scale vision for the world he loves, full of people he loves. Significance, you're only going to find it in serving those people like Jesus did. Serving is the way to a life that matters. Mark 10, 42 through 45, we read this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the disciples were arguing about who got to be the biggest big shot, who could have the most significance. And Jesus said, it's not about climbing the ladder, you guys. It's not about lording your title over people or making it seem like that gives you authority. It's not about seeing everybody else 
with power versus no power as an us versus them kind of thing, or seeing people with no power as less than. Greatness in my kingdom, he said, is measured by service. And everybody instantly got it right from that point forward, and that's why serving others is such an easy thing to do, right? No. But Jesus said, I didn't come here to prop myself up as top dog, and I could have. I came to give myself up for all, to serve all. So the way to a life that matters for the disciples and for us is to follow the example of Jesus, and that is to serve. Simplest concept in the world, but part of the difficulty in reality is when we wonder, what is it supposed to look like? What exactly am I supposed to do? And serving, if I sign up to do something or agree to do something or feel compelled through you know Christian guilt to do something, it competes for time with everything else that life is already more than full of. But if we follow the example of Jesus, then serve isn't just one more thing that competes for time among many things. It's a lifestyle, okay? It's not one thing, one part of life. It's the whole lifestyle, and everything else is included in it, okay? So do I really have to serve in a certain way? Is there some huge thing that we're supposed to do? Like each of us has one giant thing to do, a perfect way to serve? Because I'm not sure. I'm up for that. Isn't that why we hang back sometimes? We just aren't sure we're up for whatever it's going to be, even though we don't know, but it's probably huge and way bigger than us. Well, here's one of the most effective ways I've learned to think about serve instead. When serving or when following Jesus' example feels too complicated, it's just just to remember that I've been served. And when serving feels overwhelming, to even just stop for a minute and remember that you've been served. That's how you got here, right? Where you are right now. People, many over time, serving in many different ways, not all of which you would you know, clearly point at and call serving, but you've been served. And if you think about it, some of the most significant ways that you've been helped, served, that you've been blessed, they've been small, haven't they? I mean, in a conversation, informal, nobody would think it's huge, but it's been gentle and relational and actually helpful in your real life, practical, right? We've been served and it has mattered in our lives. I've been served in ways that have changed my life. Shown me that people do care when I want to be cynical about everybody, that God does love me, that I matter, that I'm not alone, that life isn't over. There's still something to live for. And now because I've learned that through being served, I get to serve others in that same heart. Even small-scale things, when done in service to others, in Jesus' name, following Jesus' example, they're huge in people's lives because they're part of God's large-scale, big-picture plan. So it's incredible, serving is. It's changed our lives, we know that. But it is hard to figure out how to do it well or to find what feels like the right and proper motivation What's it all about? Okay, let's talk about the value of serving. Why do we serve? What's it for? 
Let's say we all get together to serve in some way, or we go out in smaller groups to serve and bless other people, or we want to sign up and volunteer, be part of a team here at Jacob's Well, even just serve others in smaller, random ways throughout the day everywhere we go. But what's it really leading toward? What's it really going to result in? Why should serving be important to us? Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers as the only valid callings to serve others, correct? No. He gave those roles to equip his people for works of service. That's what we're supposed to be doing here is equipping you guys for works of service and doing the same things ourselves. So that the body of Christ, that's the people of God who follow Jesus the world over, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow, that sounds huge. Jesus did what he did. He empowered people, called people to minister. People like you and me, I'm just a dude. And I'm supposed to minister to equip all of you for works of service so that, and this is the point, so that the body of Christ, all the people connected the world over through salvation and those who can be led towards salvation, everybody included, can be built up. Not just built one time, but built up all the time. Project's not done, it's continuous until we reach unity. So the value of serving is that serving builds people up and makes unity possible. When you're served by somebody and it's genuine, do you really resent them? Like if they actually help you and make your life better, don't you just want to divide from them so much? No. Don't you feel torn down and squashed when somebody loves on you? No. You feel, what, built up. And when you're built up, how do you generally feel toward those people around you who also need help? Well, you see that they're just people who might need to be built up too. They're not lost causes, just like you weren't a lost cause. So you don't want to split from people who need to be served, just like you wouldn't want to split from the people who do the serving that's benefited you. You feel unified with people. You feel a general positivity toward people, a warmth, and you want to be around people more, and you want to be part of what people have going on or part of what can help people who have too much going on. Serving can soften hearts and communicate love and peace and safety like nothing else. People everywhere need to be built up. People sitting around you tonight in this church need to be built up. That's a big deal. If we want to be part of what God is doing and we want a life that matters, we can start building up people around us. Another aspect of the value of serving is the value system that it establishes. It's a whole lifestyle, you guys. And here's the key. Greatness isn't about earthly title and position and authority. It's about serving. And so in much the same way, our identities as believers, when, we, when it comes to growth, like Pastor Paul talked about last week, spiritual maturity is about humble service, not mere head knowledge. It's not just about being able to quote all the verses about serving. It's about living a lifestyle where you embody the verses about serving. Spiritual maturity isn't about being able to teach and preach and lead others to serve. 
It's about serving them. It's not about how much you know. So the verses we looked at about being built up, about bringing unity, it's all about becoming mature, attaining, it said, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, which means fullness of the way of life Jesus lived and, and invites us into, calls us into. It's not about understanding the idea of serve more fully. It's about doing the serving in a humble way that shows you understand it. We all who follow Jesus are called to serve. That's a given. Not one of us would argue against that. We've been on the receiving end of serve, and we understand in our heads that we are the ones called to be doing serving now. So then we just run out there and serve in any old way we want, whatever we think is best for people who look like they might be in need. We just go out there and just start doing it, right? Well, I mean, go and do, yes. Follow me, Jesus says, active steps. But I don't think it's meant to be an indiscriminate, careless sort of proposition, which doesn't stop us sometimes. But as we go out there, and as we seek to live out this commitment of serve, it's important to understand that the way we serve matters. Sometimes we don't talk about this. I think we just say a word like serve or, hey, we should make things better for people and stuff like that. And we think in a general way about it, but it's really kind of, we think about the ends. What will be the result of our service? We don't often think about the means, which is the process of getting there. So often we sign up to serve. I've done this, had a grandiose idea about what my awesome serving is going to lead to, like show up and like, hey, I'm here to serve. All your problems are fixed, everyone in the whole world. No, it doesn't work that way. That's too grandiose. But in reality, we don't often consider the reality of people on the receiving end of our serving. It's good to have awareness of what we hope the result will be and what outcome we hope and think and plan our service will lead to, but we also need to give equal time to the way we'll serve to get there. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. I love how the message paraphrase puts these verses. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget about yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. You know, every time I read verses like this, it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't read that. I mean, this is a high calling. Do you ever stop to consider just how serious some of these calling things are? The way we're called to live, the way we're to go about living life together as believers and serving. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words to encourage the church in Philippi because they're experiencing the rivalries of like different groups of believers. It would be like Jacob's Well versus Calvary Baptist here in the Chippewa Valley, right? And like competing against each other. Because there's this lifestyle of rivalry and spiritual competition that the Apostle Paul just was not about at all. Even when people wanted him to be. So he urged these believers to not play the game. To not get caught up in competing against other people serving. To not serve or do church community with that us versus them. We hope we win. We're going to win because we're the best and we believe the best and we do church the right way. Like not an us versus them mindset. Paul wrote, put yourself aside. 
Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. It's not about getting an advantage over others. In fact, go so far as to forget yourselves for a second. I mean, you could take that as an insult or like a sobering truth that we need, right? Forget about yourselves and lend a helping hand. See yourself the way Jesus saw himself. And here's the simplest way we can put it. Put others first. Anyone surprised by this? When we think of serve, put others first. It's not a revolutionary concept. Anyone know exactly how to do this the right way? No. We try. We get close, but there's no perfect system or perfect way to do this because we tend to drift toward self-absorption, self-focus. Think in terms of how will this impact and affect me. It's not, I'm not saying that's bad. That's just our humanity coming through. So we continually need to redirect ourselves if we want to be on target for how we put others first. 1 Corinthians 3.8 The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Again, Paul's writing to warn against competition to another church. These people in this town, Corinth, they wanted to create this hierarchy of preachers and align with their favorites and pit themselves against the other groups who had a different favorite preacher. And Paul said, no, it's not a competition. You're seeing it all wrong. However different we are in style, however different we are in personality, methodology, we share one purpose. We're not big shots looking for fans. We're not supposed to be. Any wonder that the people who are big shots looking for fans in the name of Jesus tend to fade out or crash and burn? They do. We're on the same team. We share one purpose. We're serving in different ways, but we don't compete against other people who are serving. We're all together as part of God's large-scale, big big picture plan. And here's the point, and this is what really brings unity. It's when we collaborate. When we see others in our serving as allies. We don't serve like this often. We tend to serve in like, Groups of people that we're comfortable with or who think like us and then we all kind of share this sort of closed idea of what serving needs to look like. But when we collaborate and we say, we're not supposed to all do this the same way, what if we see that as a good thing and leverage that as a strength so that we can do so much more variety of things than if it's just us doing it our way? Collaborate, see others as allies. Other people at church, for example. People at other churches. People doing other types of service that we don't do or aren't called to do or equipped to do. It's all for the one same thing. To build people up. To bring unity. To offer tangible help that communicates God's love. To follow Jesus' example so closely that an experience of being served by one of us is an encounter with the Spirit of Jesus and his love for people. To do that, we've got to collaborate. I need you, because I only can do what I can do. And to hear some folks tell it, including myself a lot of days, that ain't much, okay, to offer. So we need each other. We need to collaborate. There's no best way to serve or most valid thing to do and call it serving. 
But when we collaborate and create a shared vision that values all the different forms of service, then we're allies in serving others. And we see how much more we can do as part of that, God, that big same plan that God has in mind for the world. Ephesians 6, 6 through 8. Again, in the message, because it just gets to the heart of the matter, don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do and work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are slave or free. The way we serve matters, you guys. As we serve, it's not about doing the bare minimum that will qualify as real service. It's about going above and beyond. Go above and beyond when you serve. Even if it's a small thing, do it up big. Do it up huge. The way to serve big is when you do anything that you do in service to others, service to God, you do it heartily. I love that. It's like, I imagine like a sort of beefy guy chortling, like, that's what I imagine. I don't know what you guys imagine. I just thought I would share what I imagine because that's cool. Right? It is. Heartily. We do it like, oh. (laughs) Ha, 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 I'm going to serve like that. That's how I'll serve. You guys serve your own way. But when we do that and we're pumped about it, we believe in what we're doing and we're doing it as a representative of Jesus. So there's one way to do it. It's with joy. It's with the idea that significance is happening because this is connected to what Jesus is doing. So I can smile and I can be joyful even when the work is hard Because it's serving, and I know that I'm worshiping God as I serve. I know I'm growing. I'm receiving so much more as I serve. And I celebrate the contributions, and I can appreciate the contributions of all who serve as part of that big picture work. No matter who they are or where they're from, where they're at in life right now, good work counts, the apostle writes, no matter who's doing it. He writes again in Colossians 3, 24 and 25. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Can you imagine on our building project if we cut corners and you were like, oh, Jesus will fill in the gaps? It would collapse. So we got to do it with care. We need careful planning careful execution on those plans. We need to work as a team and collaborate because it's way more than just one skill set required on a project that big. And again, this isn't about just doing stuff and attaching Jesus' name to it. It's about understanding that Jesus owns the big picture stuff. If we don't know that, then the results are going to suffer. People will suffer or people won't receive the help or the love like they could if we're sullen If we do it with carelessness in our serving, so something pretty basic, honestly, leaped out to me as incredibly important, and it's this, attitude, attitude, attitude about serving. Remember, the big picture stuff belongs to Jesus. What we're doing is part of his thing, trudging through our serving without considering how that's projecting negativity or the effect we might be having because of an attitude problem, that's not an appropriate way to serve. 
And in fact, it puts us on the hook when things don't go well. We'll be held responsible. Believing in Jesus doesn't make us automatically great at serving. And when we don't serve in a healthy way, believing in Jesus is also not a get-out-of-jail-free card. When we, like, you have to forgive me. The building collapsed, but, you know, forgive me. Please? Please? (sighs) That's not how it's meant to work. When we serve, but we don't serve with the right heart, the results are far less than they could be, and our serving doesn't produce the unity or the building up that it's meant to. The way we serve matters. Attitude matters. And our understanding of who we serve matters. We serve one another, and we serve the one. This is about the both and of serve. When we serve, we serve both one another and the one, God. All the big and small things we do for others, we're also doing for God, the one who's called us to be a huge part of his plan to love and serve and meet the needs of people everywhere. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle Paul quotes the words of Jesus to people who were trying to make life matter through outward stuff, trying to see others as less than. And Paul says, no, Jesus did away with that stuff. Don't use the freedom of, hey, everybody can be in now. All are justified. You can have faith through grace. Jesus died for you. Don't use that freedom to make these outward things have all the importance again when it's what that freedom has done in you, for you, that's most important. And the evidence of that inner life change that's been happening because of the freedom that Jesus brings is shown in serving each other humbly. Love each other. First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God made you uniquely you. We've got classes you can take to discover more of what's that, what that's about. Discover your spiritual gifts. Discover your strengths. God packed you full of abilities, gifts, strengths, skills, areas of passion, amazing stuff, all that makes you uniquely who you are. And Peter here is writing to believers to tell them that the whole point of all that stuff is to use them together as one, to serve each other, and to do so much more together than we ever could on our own. And if we don't, we actually aren't faithful stewards at all. We're wasting the precious resources God put in us. The faithful way for us to live in serving as stewards is to see the gifts God's given us as his investment in us. If we want to faithfully respond and serve in those areas, then we serve with the gifts and the abilities God has given us fully, with passion, for a greater purpose. That's how we receive life from God. That's how we live our lives well. Your serving matters. Who you serve matters. The the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit me. I was in prison and you came to me. Simple things, practical things, basic needs kinds of things. These reveal God's heart 
at its core for serving people, the marginalized, the poor, the outcast, the foreigner, the prisoner. It's not about using words and prayers to care for people. It's about being connected to actually serving Jesus through feeding people, giving people something to drink when they're thirsty, a place to stay, clothes to wear, visiting people who are sick and alone, going to see people in prison. I mean, how often do we try to make serving huge and fancy and we forget how important this kind of stuff is? So here's how to serve. This is one way. If all you ever do are the things on this list, and you do the things on this list humbly for the benefit of those on the receiving end, that's you serving Jesus. And he's pleased with your service. That's enough. More than enough. Find the people Jesus describes in this passage and serve them his way. Because, he continues, Matthew 25, verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. When you serve, remember who you serve. However small your service might seem, however insignificant the person you're serving might be in the eyes of the world, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for the king. The message version says this, whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Find somebody overlooked and ignored and serve them. So what does all this mean for you? In closing, I want to take a look at your personal serve awareness. We talk about self-awareness a lot. Let's talk about personal serve awareness. I'm going to tick through some questions. It just might help you figure out where you're at with our commitment of serve. Here's the first one. In what ways have I been served by God and by others? It's important to remember. Number two, who's the last person I served in a truly helpful or meaningful way? Third question, what is my motivation to serve? Am I trying to be a big shot? Am I trying to make a name for myself? Or am I humbly doing this because I care that people on the receiving end are helped? What are my gifts and strengths and do I use them to serve God and others? What is one thing for one person I can do today? Not this week, that's too general. It gives you an off the hook, like all the week got away from me. Do it today to serve like Jesus, or this week? What if I do it every few days? Or what if I try to build something in long term? Where can I collaborate with others to serve? Maybe you've been trying to do it too small in a disconnected way. Where can you collaborate with others? Big picture question, why am I here? To be served or to serve? In life, at church, What step or steps will I take to live out the commitment of serve? Because this is a commitment for our church. And we don't have this heavy, burdensome expectation of this, but we invite people to do it and call people to do it, and even with some urgency sometimes, to serve in different capacities, because we know the life and unity that results When we do this God's way. So here are some next steps. In answer to that last question of what steps will you take, here are some that you can take. Grab a serve booklet. We've got a serve booklet that'll list through all the different serve opportunities, different capacities and ministries throughout the church. Grab one of those. 
You can take a serve tour. Look for the slides or listen for the announcements when a serve tour is coming up. And if you're wanting to see a real picture of what that's like in reality, follow around with Pastor Laura on a Sunday and see our different teams in action. Sign up for one of our ministry teams or be a small group leader or sign up and be a student leader or serve in the kids ministry or be part of our weekend guest services teams. You guys, there's any number of ways to get involved. Sign up for the BFC project. This truly, I mean, has become to me, I love looking out my window, even though it's now blocked my view of nature. I love looking out my window at the building because of what it represents, right? People with their different gifts serving for one purpose. And it's bringing unity even when we work alongside somebody we barely know. It's amazing. Sign up for that. There are so many ways to get involved. Easy ways all the way up to the hard ones that I avoid, okay? Then get practical. Think about actual, tangible, practical things you can do to be helpful in your family, in your neighborhood, your community. Get creative. And I want to know what you come up with. Let us know. If you find a creative way to serve and it has this like cool result, it's like, hey, that was unexpected and really neat. Let us know. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Surprise through serving. This is the go above and beyond. Not, hey, say yes to everybody, go above and beyond. No, that's not wise. But surprise people through serving. Do the unexpected. Do something they wouldn't expect that totally blesses their socks off. Study the commitment of serve in the Bible. Go on to right now media even. There are some studies on there about how to do hands and feet of God kind of work in your neighborhood. Look at all the verses we talked about tonight and and study them deeply. What does this mean for my life? And then look up servant leadership resources. There are books. Do a Google, servant leadership. It'll show all the different qualities and different ways you can begin to just simply understand what this will look like in your life. The bottom line is, do something. Do it well. Do it wisely. Because Jesus says, we are how his work here gets done. We are. It takes all of us. It takes humility. It takes courage. And our Savior, our serving Savior, makes us brave. Not to just serve in his name, but to serve like him. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you call us to serve. You'd set a high bar. You, you set the bar right at yourself in your example of service. We ask, Jesus, that you would continue to guide us into serving, that you would continue to show us who are the people who need help, and then give us the courage to go to them, to do the serving, to be helpful in your name. Thank you for how you've called us to one life, one purpose, one shared vision for humanity, and for calling us to live it out the way you have. It's beautiful, we celebrate it, and we are pumped for what you are doing and for what you will do as we continue to learn and grow in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.